Welcome to the Simply Resilient podcast, episode number 102, When It's Important to You. My name is Jesse Ellertson, and I am a certified life coach, a 15-year military wife, and a mother of six. I love working with flowers, playing games, and going to the movies, and I'm a huge fan of my husband and kids, sleeping in, and everything about food. I have created this podcast as a free resource for military wives who want to improve the experience that they are having while their service member is deployed. If you are ready to thrive while your husband is away, then you are in the right place. I'm excited about this topic today, and it's been on my mind for a little while. Basically, in my coaching, I hear a lot about what we're making it mean when something is important to you, but it isn't important to somebody close to you, or even vice versa. Something is very important to somebody close to you, but it's not important to you. And sometimes that can cause some pain in our relationships. So we're going to kind of come at this from a few different angles. I'm going to share examples with you guys of what I'm talking about. And you know, I like to share some examples that are lighter and sillier. And then I like to share examples that get a little heavier. And these examples are parallel, meaning they apply the same way. They mean the same thing. But often the the heavier, deeper, more intense examples feel like they have like a higher emotional charge to them. So I really like you to start easy with some easier, funny examples, lighter examples, examples that don't mean as much to you so that you can see I would apply it to my life and to my relationships in the exact same way, even with the heavier, more intense examples. So I want to start out by giving you a few of these examples of when something is important to you, but it isn't important to somebody who's close to you, some a relationship that's important to you. What's interesting is it can cause us pain, even if it's somebody who isn't close to us, isn't important to us, but we are going to focus on those relationships of people that are important to us, whether it be our spouse or our kids or our mother or our best friend or or whatever, even though this does come into play with total strangers too, which is just pretty fascinating. I want you to watch for that. So the first example that came to my mind, I think you guys are really going to enjoy. Leave a comment on my Instagram or message me or something. I want to hear, I'm just so interested what camp you guys are in when it comes to this one, because it, it seems like people are either in one camp or another pretty solidly. And it's totally not a big deal. It's pretty funny, actually. Uh, Tell me if it's important to you to close all the apps on your phone when you're done using your phone, or if you don't even worry about that all at all and leave them open and every once in a while close them or whatever, like if you're restarting your phone or if something on your phone is acting weird. So I leave my apps open. I don't worry about it at all. Every once in a while, I close them just like I described. And my husband's quite similar, but my girls, I have two teenage girls who both have iPhones now and they close every app they're using. As soon as they're done using it, they don't click their phone off unless their apps are all closed. And it just drives them crazy to have apps open. And I just think this is really funny because whenever they grab my phone to do something, they say, oh, mom, you have so many apps open. And then they go and shut all my apps and they... It, it really bothers them. And I think that's so funny. It kind of reminds me, there's a similar thing. Like, are you a kind of person who has a ton of tabs open in your browser? Or are you the kind of person that is just working in one or two tabs and you're always closing them when you're done? You know, it's a similar to that. So we sort of thought we were the only ones who had this little 
funny battle slash struggle. Again, not intense at all, just funny. Until uh, my kids and I went to see that new movie Uncharted with Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg. (laughs) And they make this joke in that movie. So it kind of seems like the divide is maybe a little bit older people leave their apps open and maybe a little bit younger people shut their apps because Tom Holland grabs Mark Wahlberg's phone and to do something and says, oh my goodness, you have so many apps open and like freaks out and shuts his apps just like my girls do when they get on my phone. And when that scene happened in the movie, we were laughing so hard because that is like our Date not daily necessarily, but that happens so frequently at our house. So that's an example of when something's important to you and it isn't important to other people. It's really important to my girls that the apps are closed and it's not important to me or my husband at all. Okay, here are a couple of more examples. I'm going to give these in a little bit of a list without so much explanation, just so that you can start to see how this plays out in your life. So uh, it's important to me that my bedroom is clean and my bed is made. And while my husband enjoys those things, it's not very important to him. Meaning it doesn't really bother him when our room is messy or our bed isn't made, even though he does like it when it's clean, but it does bother me when it's messy and I love to have it clean. So I just feel a lot stronger about those things than he does. Uh, My husband feels a lot stronger about politics than me. I try to stay relevant and have, you know, a basic knowledge of what's going on in the world and in politics, but my husband seeks out that information and enjoys researching it and really enjoys talking to people about it. And those things are just not super important to me. I have friends who do an awesome job of doing their little girl's hair every day. So when your children are still young enough that you do their hair and I have five girls, so I will see my friends who do their little girl's hair every day. And I'm tempted to think, oh my goodness, I should do that. And I do my girl's hair Uh, you know, often it may just be brushed and down. Sometimes I put it up, but I'm not, it's not super important to me and it is important to them for whatever reason. So again, that's another really light example, but even in that one, I'm tempted to make that mean something about my mothering and my, my girl mom abilities that it's, that I don't do their hair like in elaborate, cute ways every day. And I have to frequently remind myself, it's okay. That's just not as important to me as it is to them. It's okay that it's important to them. It's okay that it's not super important to me. And everyone just gets space to do what they're doing. Here's a few more examples. It might be very important to you to be early and it might not be important to your spouse. Uh, Homeschooling might be very important to you where that's not important to other moms necessarily. And that one can be a little bit of a a hot topic sometimes where instead we just say, oh, homeschooling is important to you. You get to do it. Homeschooling isn't important to me. I'm not going to do it. Uh, Going to college or getting an advanced degree might be very important to you and not important to other people in your life, or it might be important to them and not important to you. You might be getting pressure from people in your life to get an advanced degree and it's not important to you. Uh, Fashion might be important or not important to you. Makeup, doing the dishes right away or letting them sit overnight in the sink. This one's kind of a funny one. I know some people like cannot go to bed if there's dishes in their sink. And that is definitely not me. Sometimes I wish it was. Sometimes I wish it bugged me at that level so that I would always get my dishes done, but it really doesn't bug me. And I actually am grateful for that in the big picture where sometimes I'll do them at night, but if I don't feel like it, I can just go to bed and do them tomorrow morning. And it does not bother me. And I'm grateful for that. 
along those same lines, maybe loading the dishwasher in a certain way. That's This is an argument you hear couples have, that there is one right way to load the dishwasher when there's really many right ways to load the dishwasher. Cars might be important to you or important to your spouse. Sports, holidays and traditions, religion, money. This is where we get into some of these kind of broader topics. Some of these examples I'm giving are, again, broader, and some are a little bit more specific, but you can see that you could go into each of these broader topics with specific examples. Like, I was raised to believe that debt was unacceptable, where it's a much more acceptable thing in my husband's family. And so he and I, as we decide what we're going to do in our family, we have to find that middle ground where we both feel good about the decisions we're making around debt, right? So you can say money as the broad topic, but there's specific things in there where not being in debt was very important to me and being in debt wasn't a big deal to my husband. So we had to like come together on that. And I'll give you just to, just to clarify, uh, as a specific example, when it's time to buy a new car, my husband, it's not a big deal to him at all to just get an auto loan where I being raised to not go into debt, like for any reason, except, you know, your mortgage or maybe school. Uh, I have a hard time with that. And over the years, uh, again, we've met in the middle and we've figured out how to do it so that we're both happy where sometimes we pay cash for cars. Sometimes we get the auto loan and both are okay. Uh, here's a fun, silly one. Uh, my children, especially when they're little, right? They care very much about what color their plate is or what color their cup is or what color their fork is, right? And I do not care at all, at all. <laughs> so that is one where we we can struggle on that a little bit because it's so, so important to them. Uh, social media might be important to you or it might be very important to you to not be on social media and you might have people in your life that feel very differently than you in that matter. Okay, here's uh, the last example I'm going to give you right now. Back to sports. We talked about sports for a minute, but I'm going to go into a more specific example of having your kids in sports. That can be really important to some people and not important to others. And I'm going to I'm going to share an example, again, a specific example from this category just a little later on. But before I do that, I want to touch on why it's important to understand this concept of just starting to categorize things like this. Oh, it's okay. It's important to me. It's not important to them. Or, oh, it's okay. It's very important to them, but it's not really on my radar, right? It's not something I spend a lot of time thinking about or caring about. And there's a couple things I want you to be aware of. The reason that this can cause us pain in our relationships is of what we make it mean. We're very tempted to make it mean if something's important to us and it isn't important to someone who's close to us, that they don't care about us that what is important to us doesn't matter to them, isn't important to them, not on their radar. Like just like we've talked about, and and it, there's this kind of subtext of it's not important to them and it should be. Or if it's not important to them, it's because they don't love me, because they don't care about me. And we add a ton of pain in that way when we make it mean that. Now, typically, again, we're not doing this with those simpler examples, but we quickly get into examples that are more emotionally charged for us and then we are quick to add that pain. Now, I want to tell you, I've, I've done an episode on clean pain and dirty pain. So if you haven't listened to that one, go listen to it because I'm going to just reference it here for a minute. I want you to give yourself permission, especially if the example that you're thinking of as I discuss all of this is a very uh, emotionally charged, heavier, you know, more intense one for you. I want you to give yourself permission to have clean pain around that situation. So the relationship I'm thinking about the most as we discuss this is the marriage relationship. 
because that's the one that I think that we really struggle to let people have the space to not care about what's important to us. Where if it's our sibling or our friend or even our children, we can just, it's, it's a little easier to accept, oh, it's important to me, it's not important to them. But when it's the marriage relationship, because we have so many complex thoughts and feelings and emotions when it comes to our that, that most important relationship, we really have a hard time not adding that pain when they don't care about something that is important to us. So I want to just talk about the clean pain and dirty pain here for a minute. If you are in this situation where something is very important to you, but isn't important to your spouse or partner, and you are adding that pain in there, you're making it mean it's because they don't love me. It's because they don't care about me. It's because I'm not important to them. I want you to divide this up into this clean pain and dirty pain. So clean pain does not burn you up inside. It does not plague you or spend your emotional energy at like really unsustainable rates. Clean pain is I'm sad that I that I'm sad that this thing that is so important to me isn't important to my husband. It makes me feel a little sad. Or I'm disappointed. I'm really disappointed. I thought I would marry somebody that we shared this value or that we shared this opinion or however you want to say that. So we want to find those clean productive, negative emotions that, and just give yourself permission to feel them all day long. Now you can feel the other ones too, the ones that bring on the dirty pain, but those will burn you up. Those are unsustainable. Those will really impact your day, your energy, your relationship. They, they really can take a toll. And so that's why I, if, as soon as you gain this awareness around this issue, and then you gain some awareness around what you're making it mean, you can start to say like, I'm going to allow a lot of space for some negative emotion here, but I'm going to try to keep it all in the clean pain department, not the dirty pain department. So I've already described the dirty pain a little bit. It's when we make it, when we make it mean those really painful things, like because it's important to me and it's not important to them, I'm not important to them, or they don't love me, or they don't care about me. They don't care about what's important to me. And that brings up that dirty pain really, really fast. Resentment, anger, and other emotions like that. So I want to tell you that you can give yourself permission to not care about things that are important to other people. And you can give other people permission to not care about things that are important to you. This is where your freedom lies. Now, it's interesting when we describe it that way, giving permission. We don't give people permission to think things, but it's almost like you're giving your brain permission to accept that. You give your brain permission to not care about something that's important to someone else, or you give your brain permission to be okay with, to accept that other people don't care about something that's important to you. Another way to think about this is you can work on caring about things more that aren't currently important to you. You can decide this, I don't care about this at all, but I love this person. And I think it's really fun when we care about a lot of the same things. And so I am going to make an effort in this one specific area to care more about this thing that I don't currently care about. You have a ton of options there, a ton of ability to do that. Don't do it out of obligation. Don't do it so that you're managing their emotions. Just do it because you want to. Just do it because it'll be fun in your relationship. Your relationship is totally fine if you forever do not care about that thing. But how fun will it be if you stretch yourself a little bit and learn to care about something that's really important to your partner? And If they feel better after you care about that thing, it's not because you care about it, but when you care about it, that goes in their circumstance line. Like you might say something, like say you've decided to start caring about cars. Say that's very important to your spouse. You have a conversation with your husband about cars 
And he starts to think, oh, she went and learned about cars. That's so amazing. That's so meaningful. She loves me so much. He, he changes his thoughts and then he feels loved and he feels better and he feels validated or whatever those feelings are. So really keep that clear that you deciding to care about it and you taking actions to, to make that more important to you is not what made him feel better if he was feeling hurt that you didn't care and now he feels better that you do care. And that's where we keep it in again and like keep those roles right where they need to be keep those models really clean because our actions become so genuine when we know they're not controlling the other person's feelings we know our actions are just in our own model and then if they're in the other person's model which they are but only ever in one place they're only ever in their circumstance line and then they get to decide to think and feel whatever they want just like you do so that leads me to i want to touch on the cupcake concept needs versus wants so this, the cupcake concept, and again, if you haven't listened to that episode, go listen to it now. It is gold when it comes to cleaning up your relationships and helping them be very healthy and very clean and very genuine and not getting your needs tied up with other people's needs or thinking that your needs get met by other people or anything like that. So when it comes to identifying something that's important to us, is not important to someone close to us, and we're feeling pain because we're making it mean painful things we are tempted to believe that we need them to care about it to feel the way we want to feel. But when you clear up your needs versus wants, you remind yourself, the only thing I need is from me. I need to care about this thing because it's important to me. I need to spend time thinking about it, spend time doing the thing, whatever it is. And I want them to care about it too. It would be so fun if they did, but as long as it's only a want that these people in your life care about this thing, then you keep it at that frosting level and you don't get it confused with it being a need. They need to care about this thing. This needs to be important to them too. This will really help you come out of the pain around this area and you can say, I want this to be important to them, but I do not need this to be important to them to feel the way I want to feel about this thing. And believe what I want to believe about our relationship. I want to believe that our relationship is amazing and connected and full and healthy and vibrant and full of you know all the things we want it to be and give them space and permission to not care about this thing. It's really, really cool to start thinking about this this way. It takes so much of the pain away and the pain you are feeling, you can make space for it because that's totally fine as long as you're keeping it in that clean pain department. And then you're making requests of people to care about the things that are important to you, but from just that place of wanting it, but not needing it. So it's just a really healthy request. And you're taking care of yourself, which is always what we're going for. You are so important to you. That's a new phrase I've been saying to my clients a lot. We tend to forget how important we are to ourselves. We tend to forget to take care of our needs and think, oh, I just need other people to do certain things so I can feel a certain way and we're, we're giving them our cupcake rather than taking care of the cupcake ourselves. All they can ever give us is frosting. We want to make sure that what other people are giving us is only ever on top of our cupcake. Just delicious, bonus, wonderful frosting that we'd be okay with it or without it. Okay, so I want to go back to that specific sports example that I was talking about earlier. As I was brainstorming for this episode, this example came up for me and I thought it was a really good illustration of uh, we have our kids do some sports and we live locally to my kids' grandparents. So my parents and my husband's parents both live within half an hour of us. And my 
kids' grandparents don't often come, hardly ever come to their sporting events, which is totally fine with me and totally fine with my husband. In fact, I don't even tell them about it. So part of that's on me. I don't tell them about those sporting events we have throughout the week. I will tell them about, you know, something important happening at the school or a play or a program or every once in a while I will tell them about a sporting event. But what my brain does that's so interesting is when I'm at my children's sporting events, there's a couple of tricks my brain will play on me. The first one is I see everyone there with like all their siblings and we don't ever make our kids go to their siblings sporting events like sometimes we'll say hey let's all go and we you know we encourage it um often it'll just be my husband and I or maybe one kid will tag along but it's never like a mandatory thing and we're both totally okay with that my husband and I agree on that and we let the kids come or not come kind of how they want to but when I'm there and I see everyone's full family there at every event to support them is what it feels like to me then I question myself and I think oh why you know why aren't my other kids here why don't I make them come should I do that should I care about that and I realize oh no I just don't care about that and they do and that's great and then where the grandparent layer comes in is I see grandparents attend you know, I don't know these people, but I'm just seeing who's watching the game. And I see mom and dad and grandma and grandpa and siblings and whatever cheering their player on out on the field. And my brain says, why don't your parents, your kids' grandparents come to their sporting events? And for just a second, if I'm not on to myself, I can quickly make that mean something, right? Oh, it's because they don't care. It's because my kids aren't important to them. Even though truly, I don't believe any of that to be true. In fact, I know to my core that my children are important to their grandparents. So how funny is it that my brain still wants to offer this to me, still wants to tempt me to make it mean something painful. And again, I'm even owning up to my part where I don't even tell them about most of our sporting events. And what it is there is that sporting events are just not that important to kind of not anyone in our family they're medium important and they're important for like my husband and I to show a lot of support to our kids and whatever events they're doing but we're just not that kind of family that makes it very important and that's okay the whole like the whole attendance and, and all of that but I even though it's not important to me I could make it mean something painful and if it were important to me that they were there and I told them about it and they still didn't come because it's not important to them that particular event, I could make that mean something very painful. So that leads me into just talking about benefit of the doubt for a minute. This is another very powerful mind management tool that I use all the time, you guys. I have a podcast episode on benefit of the doubt. Go listen to it right now if you're having any trouble in this area. But we are always guessing why people do and don't do what they're doing, right? We don't realize that we're guessing, but we're all pretty much always guessing, even if the person tells us why. We're still guessing if what they said is true, if what they said is actually what happened, if, you know, if there's another reason that they're just not telling us or an additional reason, right? And giving people the benefit of the doubt is such a gift you give yourself. It feels so good. So this comes into play in this topic because when somebody has shown evidence that they don't care about the thing, we're even guessing about that, right? So we have explained something to someone, invited something to some someone to something, and they don't show up or they don't talk to us about it anymore, or they don't buy tickets to the thing or support the fundraiser or 
we see them doing the opposite of this thing we care about. So we have put these pieces of evidence together and we've decided that that person doesn't care about the thing. So that's the first thing to acknowledge in this department as far as like, we're making it all up, you guys. They might not care and that's okay. They might actually care, but they just don't care about it in the way that you do, or they don't care about it at the level that you do, or they might care, but they just show it in a totally different way. They might even care more than you, but they just show it in a different way. And so we don't see that evidence, right? So the benefit of doubt plays in when you realize like I'm making it all up. So I might as well make up things that feel amazing to me. So I'm, I'm going to assume they care. They just show it in a different way. I'm going to assume that they just absolutely would have been here, but they couldn't be here. I'm going to assume that they didn't come because they didn't know about it, not because they didn't care, right? Like you can just start to play around with that and give them the benefit of the doubt in whatever way feels really good for you because you're always making it up. And that's just very helpful and powerful to realize. Okay, along those lines, I wanna give you another example just to help you play with your brain. Like you gotta massage your brain on how tight it holds on to its stories. So you gotta just loosen that grip and say, what else might be true? What else might be possible? What else could I think about this if I wanted to? Uh, So along those lines of sometimes people really do care, but they're not like showing up in a way where they care. So I can remember very vividly uh, during my husband's deployment, this was back in 2014, and his little sister got married while he was gone. And I love his family dearly, and I'm really close to them. Uh, we've been married for almost 18 years, and even before we were married, uh, we were high school sweethearts. So I've just known his family for a really, really long time. I, it never really feels like they're even my in-laws. It just feels like I'm one of them as well. And so we were so excited when his little sister was getting married while he, and we were sad that he had to miss it. Uh, but I was really ready to like represent our family. And a few weeks before the wedding, his grandmother died as well. So he missed a couple of really important things while he was gone on that deployment. And I was in a bit of a fragile state myself just because of the deployment and because of a lot of things. Uh, you know, four little kids and my leg was better at this point, but still not all the way better. This was the deployment where I broke my leg at the beginning of the deployment. So I still felt pretty vulnerable, like health wise, and just still felt like I was barely making it through all my responsibilities each day, like the bare minimum of my responsibilities each day. And what I hadn't anticipated, and I, I don't, I don't know why this caught me off guard because I, I have learned this lesson a couple other times, but for whatever reason, I miss my husband weirdly, like so much more. And I miss him in like a really painful way instead of a very sweet way when I'm around his family. I, I don't totally have that all figured out and that's okay. But uh, I just think about him in a different way. I miss him in a different way when I'm around his family. And so I went to the funeral and it was so challenging for me. Just personally, I was so emotional and just drained completely emotionally drained uh, beyond just the regular emotions of the funeral. And I also felt guilty for making his grandmother's funeral about me. I mean, I wasn't making it about me, but in my own mind, I was just thinking about me and feeling bad for me and missing him so much rather than being focused on the funeral and the experience that I was there for. And it, it had been a while since I had experienced that where that kind of that bitter missing was happening when I was around his family. And I'm in that moment, I'm sure I was thinking thoughts like he should be here, you know, things like that, that bring up that bitterness. And so then a few weeks later comes the wedding, right? 
And now I know, now I know, again, I'm not managing my mind at this time. I haven't discovered life coaching. I haven't discovered any of this and that's okay. I I know how to look back over these experiences and give myself a ton of grace and also just be in that observation mode. But when I describe it to you, it kind of sounds like I am managing my mind, but just because that's the way I speak about my mind now and the way my thoughts work and all of that. But it's more of just a, a retelling of that, of that remembering of how that all was. And so I went to the wedding and we had just a beautiful day, but I felt drained very quickly. And the wedding was in the day and then we were all going to go home for a few hours and then come back that night for the reception. And this was in August and the weather was beautiful and my children had lovely matching clothes. And again, I love this sister-in-law so much. She feels like a sister to me and I cared deeply about what was going on that day, and yet I had so little to give. Here's the part that I, here's the, all that was background, and now I'm getting to this part. So uh, that bitterness was there, that drainedness was there by the end of just the wedding that was in the kind of the the middle of the day, like, like early or late morning. And I was able to go home and rest for a few hours. And I thought, okay, I can do this. Like I can rejuvenate for a few hours, and then I can go back and do it again tonight at the reception. And I was, I just felt so depleted and all the family was supposed to arrive early to the reception so that we could take family pictures before. And I just could not pull myself together. I could not, it's hard to even describe now, but in the moment I was undone. I just could not pull myself together to get there early. And so I let everybody know, I'm so sorry. I'm going to be, I was right about on time for the reception. I said, you can take pictures without me or you know, do like individuals or whatever. And we can do a group one when I get there. And the other thing that I had to give myself to make it through that, you know, hours long reception that night was I left my two-year-old son home with my parents rather than bringing him with me because I couldn't, from my depleted state, I couldn't imagine managing a wiggly, tired, bored two-year-old for three hours, as well as my other three kids. And I was disappointed in myself because I love weddings and I love this family and I love family pictures. It's all so important to me. And I was showing up as, you know, quote unquote, less than my best in that moment. So what's in the sea line for my sister-in-law in in that moment is Jesse arrived late for family pictures. Jesse arrived with three of her four children, right? And then her thoughts might be something like, this is really important to me. Why wasn't she here on time for family pictures? Doesn't she care about my wedding? Doesn't she care about my pictures? Doesn't she care about this family? You know, she could very easily uh, make it mean some painful things about our relationship, about how important her wedding was to me. And honestly, I don't think that she did. I think in in the moment, maybe she was a little frustrated with me and it probably came from a few of those places. But the point I want to make with this story is that I did care about those things like so, so much. So my actions were not portraying how much I cared. They just were all I had available to me in those moments. And sometimes whether it be grief or overwhelm or, you know, pain or any of, you know, bitterness, any of those feelings can decrease our actions in a certain area and make the people around us believe that we don't care. And, and on the other hand, they can be having that experience and then we can believe that they don't care about the thing that's important to us. So that's kind of where benefit of the doubt comes in again. She can either feel frustrated with me or, you know, hurt that I, that I didn't make that a priority or she can give me the benefit of the doubt and know that I was doing my best and I was giving my best and it just wasn't totally ideal for her. But, you know, 
I, and again, this was almost 10 years ago, right? But I can remember those moments and, and as I'm driving out there and I know I've made everybody wait on me for family pictures, I'm adding on, you know, lots of thoughts and feelings. I'm adding on guilt. I'm adding on more overwhelm and, and I'm wondering what she's thinking. And I know, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure that it's looking like I don't care about her wedding when I really do, you know, so just all of that can play in to this topic. Okay. I have a few more points to make to drive this home for you. And then we're going to wrap up. So, uh, if you're having trouble believing that when someone else apparently doesn't care about something that's important to you, that that doesn't mean something painful, I want you to flip it and think about something that was not important to you, but was very important to someone else to show yourself in that moment. It wasn't that you didn't like that person. It wasn't that you were trying to make them feel pain or that you wanted to really show them or that your relationship wasn't deep and meaningful. It was just that they cared about it and you didn't. So I'll give you an example of this. Uh, my brother got into beekeeping for a little while and my sister and I make this joke because he called me and he said, forget everything you thought you knew about beekeeping. And I was like, done, because I don't know anything about beekeeping and I don't care about beekeeping, which, you know, it's, it's not that I don't care. I just don't have like a passion for it. Right. And he was getting very passionate about this as, as a hobby for himself, keeping bees and making honey, which is super cool. And I just love that people want to do that, but that's not something I want to do. So that reminds me just that little joke we make of forget everything you thought you knew about this done. Cause there was nothing even to forget because it just wasn't on my radar and I didn't care about it, but it, I love my brother dearly. We have a wonderful relationship and it, it being important to him was all it needed to be. That was enough. It didn't need to be important to me too. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, when you identify something that is not important to you or not currently on your radar, there's always the option of making it more important to you. And we know we do this with our relationship with that thing, with the way we think about that thing. If we think this is dumb, this is stupid, this is unimportant, this isn't worth my time, we're obviously not going to care about that thing. But if we start to say, I'm learning how to make this more important to me, I'm learning why this information is so valuable or this activity is so important or whatever it is, right? So I have an example of this that my sister has two daughters with celiac disease. And so they cannot eat gluten like in a very intense way. And even just traces of gluten really affect their health. So my sister has to be so, so careful on top of that. One of her daughters also has type one diabetes. So they have a lot of dietary restrictions and needs in their home. And my sister has done an amazing, amazing job, uh, just adjusting to all of that and implementing it into their life so that they can still live as normal of a life as possible while living within the restrictions that are required because of their diagnoses. And I think back to, you know, five years ago before either of her girls had these diagnoses and food restrictions weren't really on my radar. Like I knew people had them and I tried to care about it because I, I knew it was important to them. And some people are having food restrictions by choice. And some people are having food restrictions by, or, you know, dietary restrictions by, uh, some is by choice. Some is because they have to, because of their health or, or, you know, because of an allergy or, or whatever. But, uh, I didn't have any food needs or restrictions or dietary restrictions and neither did anyone in my family. And so I didn't really have to cook a special way, but I would try to keep it in mind and ask people what they're limitations were and, and try to be considerate and conscientious, but I really just did not have a lot of context and, and it wasn't on my radar at all. But now that it's in our family and it's in my sister's life so prevalently and in my sweet little nieces whom I love dearly, 
I have watched over the last few years as this topic has come way on my radar. I care so much more now. I have so much more knowledge and information. I talk to other people about it. I talk about it on my podcast. I uh, really make sure my kids understand so that they can be considerate and conscientious of their friends and, and people that they associate with who have these dietary restrictions. And so I just want you to empower yourself that if there's anything that you haven't cared about in the past, you always have the option to care about it as a if that's something that you decide you want to do and make sure you keep it at that want level. You don't need to in order to have the relationship you want to have with someone, but you can just want to uh, as delicious frosting on top of your relationship. Okay, the last thing that I want to end on is this concept that I have about focusing on our strengths and letting other people's strengths Letting other people have their strengths and not making their strengths mean anything about, like, if that's not an area you have a strength in. And this topic reminds me of that. And I like to use this analogy of, like, a cat and a fish. And you guys, it may have, you may have heard me talk about this before. I don't think I've talked about it on the podcast, but I have in different video trainings. And it's basically that cats have some amazing strengths and also some weaknesses, right? Just like all humans. And fish have some amazing strengths and also some weaknesses, right? So fish have to be in the water, Cats don't do well in the water, right? Cats can climb a tree, but like a fish can swim faster and farther and, and stay underwater. We're like, so they, they can't do each other's strengths, right? And what we do as humans sometimes, we look at someone else's strength and we make it mean something about how we don't have that strength rather than embracing our strengths and letting everybody else have their own strengths and just making space for it all and really like championing championing ourselves, which gives us so much room to be happy for and proud of and excited for other people too. It can be pretty challenging to be proud of other people and their strengths and their accomplishments if you're coming from that place of, of lack or of self-consciousness or just if you haven't built yourself up in that way, then you feel very vulnerable and, and almost like defensive or, you know, kind of that you go into that scarcity mode, like their success means there's less success in the world to have, right? But if you have taken time to boost yourself and congratulate yourself and be proud of yourself, admire and honor your strengths, then you are in such a good place to just be thrilled for other people and their strengths. So if you're a cat, don't look at a fish and say, why can't I swim like that? And if you're a fish, don't look at a cat and say, why can't I climb trees like that? Just love what you do well and love what other people do well. And even one more layer of that is if you are a cat and you really want to learn how to swim, just take swimming lessons, right? Cats can learn how to swim. So I hope that you guys enjoyed this episode and that it helps you have less pain and drama in your relationships and more just love and openness and genuineness. And that is what I have for you guys this week. Are you ready to take what you are learning here on this podcast to the next level? then let's work together. I would be honored to be your life coach and help you create the life you dream about by focusing on what is always in your control, your mindset. Are you ready for everything in your life to feel different and better without needing to change any of your circumstances? Then schedule a free call with me by going to my website, simplyresilient.net. I can't wait to work with you.